instead of trying to appeal to an out-of-state GOP primary base, we wouldn't need to clean up this particular mess. The coastline where there are no beaches will continue to be soaked with salt water and there will be total loss of an ecosystem. From the fourth floor of the Capitol Rotunda, you're listening to WFSU Public Media's Capitol Report, the podcast. I'm Tom Flanagan. Funding for Capital Report is provided by the following. HR Florida State Council, affiliate of the Society of Human Resource Management, advocating for the workplace on behalf of 16,000 human resource professionals and 6,300 Florida employers. HR Florida State Council. More at hrflorida.org. Among today's capital action, legislative leaders have agreed to use hundreds of millions of dollars in gambling money to help pay for further expansion of a state wildlife corridor and other environmental projects. The Senate Fiscal Policy Committee and the House Infrastructure Strategies Committee last week approved identical bills that would in part provide $100 million a year for the wildlife corridor. That's been a priority of Senate President Kathleen Pasadomo. Also, the bills include directing $100 million a year for the management of uplands and to remove invasive species, and $100 million for a Department of Environmental Protection flooding and sea level rise resilience plan. Much of the money for the legislation would come from a gambling deal known as a compact that Governor Ron DeSantis reached with the Seminole Tribe of Florida back in 2021. We'll have another environmental story coming up in just a few moments. Florida Democrats say Governor Ron DeSantis's grip on the legislature is loosening. They point to him backing a policy limiting book bans in schools as an example. And we get more on that story from Tristan Wood. The governor championed legislation last year that allows parents to file complaints about books or other education materials they believe are not age-appropriate. After school districts were inundated with hundreds of complaints, DeSantis directed the Department of Education last week to begin policymaking to crack down on what he sees as frivolous complaints. To House Democratic leader Fentress Driscoll, DeSantis's move validates the criticism that Democrats levied against the policy from the start. So maybe if he'd focus on the real problems facing Floridians all along, instead of trying to appeal to an out-of-state GOP primary base, we wouldn't need to clean up this particular mess. To Driscoll, The book ban rollback signals that DeSantis has lost some of his influence in the legislature since dropping his presidential race. However, she says there are several tools in his toolbox he can use to pursue his policy priorities. Because he still has that veto pen and he still has leverage in terms of, you know, what will move forward in the budget or whatnot uh, or, or, or whatnot. So I think that the next week or so will be particularly telling as we move into the conference, uh, you know, process. Republican legislative leadership has appeared to be stepping away from many of the culture war priorities DeSantis has championed during the last several legislative sessions. Senate President Kathleen Pasadomo said last week that several controversial bills, like a ban on removing Confederate monuments and lowering the gun purchasing age to 18, were dead in her chamber. Those bills were state Republican Party policy priorities, and DeSantis had backed similar policies in the past. The way I look at it, Our bill process is not the uh, um, Republican Party of Florida. We are the legislature. We make the laws. We review the laws. 
However, Driscoll isn't convinced that those bills are gone for good. I'm always worried about the resurrection of any culture war proposal as long as there is time on the clock. Because we know that there's a lot of horse trading that goes on back and forth between the House and Senate leadership. And we know that we've got a governor who's also in the mix, who's trying to continue to make himself relevant now that he's done running for president. The best Democratic lawmakers can do to resist those policies if they come back is make a lot of noise. Republicans currently hold a supermajority in both legislative chambers, so if leadership wants to pass the bill, Republicans have all the votes they need to get it passed. I'm Tristan Wood. With the exception of its northern border with Alabama and Georgia, Florida is entirely surrounded by water. The state's world-famous sandy beaches make up about 825 miles of that coastline, according to the Florida Department of Environmental Protection, but wetlands comprise several hundred more miles of the Florida coast. And contrary to popular belief, the majority of those wetlands are not saltwater, but fresh water. Their source is the outflow from the gigantic Floridan aquifer that underlies the state. But as Florida's population has grown, the size and condition of those wetlands seems to be on the decline. That's the subject of a new book by noted naturalist and photographer Benjamin Dimmitt. It's entitled, An Unflinching Look, Elegy for Wetlands. In it, he documents in both words and images the profound changes in the Chassahwichica National Refuge on Florida's Gulf Coast. Not only is the area being impacted by rising sea levels, but there is resource mismanagement. So that while we have rising sea levels, we also have excessive amounts of water being pulled out of the aquifer. And that allows the salt water to come in more quickly, which is why over a short period of time, this place went from being lush and beautiful to decimated. The refuge sits about 70 miles north of Tampa, but more significantly, it's a mere 25 miles west of the fastest-growing metropolitan area in America. It's called the Villages. If the Villages wasn't there drawing so many millions of gallons out of the aquifer every day, then this flooding and sea level rise at the Chaswitzko wouldn't be happening. Dimmitt worries the same fate is in store for all of Florida's freshwater wetlands on both the Gulf and the Atlantic coasts. If the storms continue and the seas continue to rise, the coastline where there are no beaches will continue to be soaked with salt water and there will be total loss of an ecosystem and it will turn into just a salt marsh. A situation that would prove fatal for the plant and animal life that now calls those wetlands home. And Dimmitt says such salt marshes would be far more easily overtopped by storm surges, thereby endangering human communities inland. It's not a pretty picture, and there are many such somber images in his book. Our regular Capitol Report correspondents are Adrian Andrews, Gina Jordan, 
Lynn Hatter, Regan McCarthy, Margie Menzel, and Tristan Wood. Shows are available Monday through Thursday by 6.30 p.m. Eastern Time, wherever you get your podcasts. On many of these Florida public radio stations, you can tune in each Friday to catch the latest on all things happening at the Capitol. That show's also available in podcast form. Technical assistance comes from Taylor Cox, and I'm Tom Flanagan. This is Capital Report, the podcast from WFSU Public Media. Funding for Capital Report is provided by the following. HR Florida State Council, affiliate of the Society of Human Resource Management, advocating for the workplace on behalf of 16,000 human resource professionals and 6,300 Florida employers. HR Florida State Council. More at hrflorida.org. Capital Report is a production of WFSU Public Media in Tallahassee.